Welcome to the JMS Podcast with Jorge M. Sanchez. Today's guest is musician Noah Lanikia. He is here to talk about music and life and other great things. I had a real good chat with him. And off the bat, I really like Noah. He had a real good vibe to him. And he's a, an amazing musician. And he is one of the musicians who uh, routinely is with Jake Wickman. He was on this podcast not too long ago. And he backs him up on bass. And he's been involved in many other projects. And so keep in, keep in tune for that conversation. It's coming real soon. Plus a, a solo performance of an original bass composition by Noah Lanikia. It is called Lazy Sundays. And But before we get that, uh, before our conversation, you're going to listen to a live recording he did for his uh, bluegrass band, duo actually, The Mountain and the Moon, by the name of Tumbleweed. And it's a live recording at a, at a gig they had in Oakland, and it's really great. And uh, in the beginning, we were both eating pie. Why we were eating pie? Well, I offered the pie uh, because I had to sell my, oh, there it goes. I got a message on Facebook if I had a dollar uh, for every time that happens God I always forget to remove Facebook Facebook is becoming a problem to me lately I'm finding myself uh, spending too much time on Facebook just scrolling down and down and down it's like an endless well an endless well of madness because you get lost in it before you know it uh like it's late into the night and you're like oh my god all I've done is look into other people's lives and only briefly in a very superficial level it's like, what could, and it's just an awful feeling you're like oh my god I could have spent that time doing something else more constructive but instead I spent it on Facebook I've been finding myself uh, not texting while driving but checking Facebook while driving that's a really bad habit uh, especially because nobody really really uh, messages me on, on Facebook only, of course, when I'm do- recording this podcast and show. That's when they really begin to send these messages. Ah, Murphy's Law, right? What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, we were eating pie in the beginning because I had to sell my electric guitar. It was an in Ibanez, hollow body, jazz guitar, actually. And uh, I, had to, I had to let it go. Uh, it was hard. I mean, to be fair... I haven't really played it as much, and neither have I had the opportunity to play it out in public. I was really hoping for that opportunity, but instead I had to uh, I had to sacrifice it, and so I took it over to a local guitar shop, and and I got a decent deal out of it. I mean, when you're selling back uh, an instrument, you can only hope for like half, really. But that's because I got another guitar. It is an acoustic guitar. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet because I'm surprised I managed to get myself this kind of guitar. But it's an acoustic guitar and it's already going to make me feel confident in my playing when it comes to gigs. Which I actually have an upcoming gig on the 16th of June in Santa Cruz at the Poet and the Patriot. I'll be opening up for Third Amp from the Amp. Man, I'm fucking up this intro already. Third Amp from the Amp? I don't know. I'll get back to it. Uh, the point is, I got a big gig happening in Santa Cruz on the 16th, and I got to prepare for it. Actually, tomorrow I'm meeting up with the bass player. I'm a little nervous about that. Um, try to see if how we could have good chemistry, you know, to work on for the gig. 
But still, it's like, you know, I'm letting go a child, essentially. I mean, it's a child I didn't pay much attention to, granted. But, you know, you still have some feelings over that child. So, uh, it's gone. And it's just an empty guitar um, holder now. So, usually when I get depressed, uh, I get myself a whole pie. And uh, I could essentially eat the whole pie. But I was lucky that that Noah came by and I was like, hey man, have some pie, you know, save me some more calories. And so we were, we were uh, chomping on pie. It it was, I think it was blackberry pie. I wasn't sure. All right, but let's head on over to Noah Lanakia. Let's head on over. And this is part of his EP for the Mountain and the Moon called Tumbleweeds. Thank you. 
I mean, pie is my go-to thing mm-hmm. when I'm feeling a little down. Mm-hmm. It's probably a bad habit. That's fine. Do you, do you have a, a certain kind of food that you go to when you're feeling down? Pie is a good one. Uh, pie, ice cream. I like me some I ice cream. I can't do that. I can't do the pie ice cream thing. Or just ice cream. It's like la mode. Is that, is that what it's called? A la mode, yeah. A, a la mode? Mm-hmm. It's good to me. I don't know. Some people, I've seen people get, they have apple pie and they put cheddar on it. Cheddar cheese? Mm-hmm. Really? Like a slice, like a thin slice of on the pie. It's supposed to be really good. I've never had that before. I've never had it either, but it's supposed to be great. I'm going to add that to my uh, my life goal. I think that's like a weird white people kind of thing, though. It's like, this is a good thing. Anything with cheddar cheese is a white people thing. Kind of, yeah. Actually, now I think about it, absolutely, yeah. Uh, I mean, the person who suggested it to me was definitely of an older age and very white, so there you go. But I'm sure it's good, though. It's probably good. good. Maybe. I don't know. But but you, personally, you don't have a a go-to I like ice cream. Ice cream? Ice cream uh, is really good. It feels really (laughs) cathartic to just eat ice cream when you're feeling upset, but that pie was actually really good. Um... Actually, I was feeling kind of I was feeling kind of weird today, so that actually de- actually helped. So. Yeah. Why were you feeling so weird? Um. You know, some you know, just I was up in the city. And I was talking to like I was hanging out with some friends and stuff, and it was just like I hadn't seen them in a while, so it's like kind of weird to see how like people change. You know what I mean? How long has it been? It's been like, like it's been like since grad school. How long was that? I was like a year. No, I no, I saw them like a year ago actually. Well, people can like change over a year. Yeah, it's been, it's been like a year, and it's just like it's uh, interesting to see where they're like, like I, like I would consider us like both really good friends, but it's just like, oh okay, <laughs> things are different now. Do you feel like the friendship changed? A little, just like just because we both changed as people, like yeah. Yeah, yeah I have a tough time dealing with that. Myself. Yeah, like I, I find myself in those situations where either it's five years or a year. Yeah, and, and then you meet up, and, you, and you're not sure if they change or if you change or if you both change. It's and I think it's probably both. And there's a bit of like I don't know for me like I've been disappointed at times. Yeah, and there's other times yeah. I was like, oh, I'm happy for them. Yeah, no, for sure. I always try to be happy for people, but like, what's the worst? Trying to be, trying to be trying happy to ha- for no, others. I, like I, I, I try to <laughs> in a genuine kind of way to appreciate, but sometimes people like. Are in such a different place from when I first met them. It's just, yeah. and like their their personality, like not necessarily their personality, but their choices are so different yeah. than how I thought they were initially gonna be. Yeah, it's just it's it's strange. But I guess you know that's what you get for imposing expectations on other people, right? That's yeah. all you get. That's the key thing, man. Is you gotta you, you get you have to understand they have their own life and their own choices. You know, mm-hmm. especially me when you know, I, I creatively I like to have a lot of control. 
and in some ways that manifests in other people's uh, lives that comes out wrong but what I mean mm-hmm. is like oh I wish she could or she could have done this mm-hmm. but it's like you know what just, just be happy with what they chose like what it's yeah. none of your business Jorge get out of it but at yeah. the same time I guess it's because you, you care for them yeah there's definitely an aspect of that as well but you know they're in, they're in a good spot so it's cool it's just different yeah so it's, it's it's yeah it's neither good nor bad it's just different just is just is especially with the ex-lovers like like I, I've like I have to cut them off and, okay and these days it's a big deal when you cut someone off digitally mm. you know online yeah you unfriend you know? them on Facebook yeah or, oh my god and, and people take it the wrong way like, at least with me like like you know because I, I, my, my recent ex she, she got mad at me she was like you don't have to like like uh, unfriend and and do this and that I'm like it's it's not a I'm, it doesn't like I was trying to explain that it's not because I don't like you or I hate you none of that mm-hmm. but I you know if you're there it's gonna be a harder road for me to get over you because you're gonna pop up on my feed and before you know it I'm in that rabbit tunnel seeing what she's been doing lately oh god and stuff like, I'm like let's say I'm trying to save both of us trouble here you know if, if you know if you understand that about yourself and you know that's how it's gonna be I think that's the smart thing to do yeah even somebody I broke up like actually like my longest relationship which is quite a while now like a long time like in our early 20s um we recently reconnected on social media and even then i had to i had to keep it a distance i'm like all right yeah, we're, yeah. we're friends but you know i'm not gonna put you you know uh follow option mm-hmm. uh you have to unfollow them there's only i have some friends that i i that i don't follow just because yeah. like I don't want to. I don't really care. <laughs> no, it's not that I don't care. It's just like you know, you like you get down with and how you live your. Some people are just very like very forward and you know like very open on social media. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's just like for me, I'm just like, you know, what? this is giving being on Facebook is giving me enough brain damage as it is. I don't need to put myself in all these other weird situations. Yeah, especially when you, if you don't necessarily you know agree with someone on certain stuff you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah I hear you man yeah alright now uh, the first matter of business I want to talk to you about mm-hmm. is your last name I have the hardest time I feel so bad when I try to pronounce that out in public it's fine how, how do you pronounce your last name Lenny Akea Lenny Akea Lenny Akea where does that derive from um so when my husband and I we got married oh that's your husband's last name no 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 see the thing is uh his original last name is Huang and my original last name is Yanaki. So well, we got married like about almost, oh my God, almost a year. Like, yeah, it's going to be a year on the 16th. Hmm. Holy shit. Uh, um, we decided to get our name changed because we just, you know, I wasn't really too attached to my name. And he wasn't super, well, he was attached to his name. It's not his middle name. But like we wanted to do something, you know, more and have like a shared last name. And, you, you know, in California, you can hyphenate. You can do, like, you make it like an anagram, like a, try to take all the letters and turn it into an actual name. We tried really? that. There was, like, no good options. There was, like, <laughs> there was, like, made up, like, there was, like, nonsense words that had, like, no vowels. And then there was, like, there was, I think there was one actual word, but it was, like, I don't even remember what it was. It was just, it was, like, a, it was an um, adverb. It was some sort of weird adverb that had no context. So we decided that we wanted to name ourselves about where uh we're from so um so we didn't want to pick like usa 
or like California. <laughs> Can you imagine your last name? So obnoxious. Say Noah USA. <laughs> what? I I would have hated you from the beginning. You should hate me from the beginning if I <laughs> this douchebag piece of shit. Absolutely, <laughs> fuck you. But, but 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 you're telling me that's a legit option you could have. You could. Oh my god. Or I guess it would be USA because you would have no. You would. Have, oh, you would have the dots. You would have the dots. <laughs> I don't USA. think, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually pronounced USA. Just imagine telling people that with a straight face. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, uh, so we didn't want to do that, so we just kept like scaling up. And you know, uh, solar system didn't make sense, like Milky Way galaxy didn't make any sense. So the next biggest option was the supercluster Laniakea, which is the supercluster that the Milky Way galaxy is a part of. Interesting. Yeah. At least that's the, that's the story my husband tells. Like, we considered a few options, and we settled on that one. Yeah, yeah. It, it was literally out of this planet, so you guys took it up and beyond. Yeah, just kept going. Super cluster of Lanny and Kea. It was actually Hawaiian for um, Ocean of Stars. Oh. Yeah. Is your marriage like an Ocean of Stars? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what am I supposed to say to that? Yes. Like, whatever that means. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Well, man, how old are you, if you, if you mind me asking? I am 26. Wow, that's that's amazing. Maybe it is amazing. You're 26. You're married. You've gone through school. You're you got so much behind you. I I guess. Do you just brush it off? I just don't ever think. I just I'm thinking. I'm really really bad about acknowledging the past and like, you know, things I've done. Because I'm always just trying to look towards like you know I'm trying to appreciate where I am now and really appreciate the present, which is I feel like as humans we're exceptionally terrible at. Uh-huh. So sure. I try to do that, and I also just, you know, keep keep an eye for, you know, I try to learn from my past, but at the same time, it's like, I don't want ever to be, like, be complacent and just be like, oh, that was so great, why can't it ever be like that again? Or, like, like have a point in my past be, like, the high point of my life. Like, that'd be really sad to oh, me. Oh, yeah. Especially, like... I peaked in high school. Yeah, like, that I, kind of... I peaked in college. I, no, I peaked in high school is the most sad. That's, like, such a brief part of your life, and that's... That was it? <laughs> Yeah. Going out to be- going out with Becky at prom, that was the high point of your life. <laughs> you can't even necessarily drink or, or do many you things. Can't do anything. You couldn't even vote. At least no. When in my in my high school there was a real. Uh, what where did, where did was you... the drug of choice there? It was a. What, what high school did you go to? Grand Island High School. Where's that at? Uh, Western New York. Western New York. Western New York, like upstate New York. Upstate is that by Albany or something? And no, it's like real. It's like by Canada. It's like right on the border. Is it's, that where you're born? Where I was, I'm, I'm born in Buffalo. Okay, born, born in Buffalo. Buffalo, and like it's a, it's a town, sort of an island between the U.S. and Canada. Oh. And uh, we, my parents moved there when I was going to high school because the, they didn't like any of the city schools, city high schools, so they moved to Grand Island. Were they educators? My parents? Yeah. No. What line of work were they? Uh, they're both professional transporters I guess my mom works for the the metro like the city bus in Uh Buffalo although I think she was in school she was in school she wants to be a docent at the Buffalo Zoo I think she did I think she succeeded in that regard but that's like a volunteer kind of position but she's really passionate about that which is really cool and my dad is a car hauler car hauler Mm -hmm. transporters transporters yeah yeah of people and objects Oh, they travel. I was asking. Yeah. I was asking their educators because usually I know uh, most people I talk to who say that their parents uh, had an active uh, decision making in their schooling. Were usually educators who are like, I know what this business is about. 
I'm not putting my son through that school. And, and yeah, that. no, I don't think they. I think they tried to keep abreast of the situation as best as they could, but that they weren't educators. Okay. Yeah, and the, I had an older brother who had gone through the school system in Buffalo, and it was like fine. I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with it, but they, I think they wanted to move anyway. My, my parents are always trying to get a new house, go to a new place. I don't know why, because it's like they don't really go far. They're not traveling anywhere. They're just like going to a new place in the same area. Yeah, and it's like I don't understand, but okay. So they go from the city of Buffalo to Grand Islands. And how, how old were you when you moved again? I was like, I was in high school, it was the first year of high school. Oh, it's the worst. Oh, no, 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 wait, no. I did eighth grade. I did eighth, eighth grade, grade first, and the schools were right next to you, like the middle school and the high school were like right next to each other. Like, how was that transition for you? It was fine, yeah, oh. I guess. I don't know. It was I was a very different person at that point in my life, just because Hold on. I, I messed up this. Microphone. Oh no! I hit it and it got the buzzing. Okay. Oh my god! Stop it! I believe in you. There we go. Oh, it's good. All right. Just never touch it again. Yeah. Never. Touch I it. usually don't try to try to. But I was I was so into engaged in this conversation. Mm-hmm. I I swapped it anyway. So, so yeah, I was a very different person than um, I was very. Uh, I wouldn't say I was kind of repressed about a lot of things. I hadn't really come and I hadn't explored anything of who I actually was as a person. So I was like in the closet, and I was presenting as like a as pre- I, I was identifying as male at that time. How old did you know that you were uh, y- you were gay? Is that the word? Uh, well, I guess my situation is slightly off the beaten path in that regard. Um, I would for me. When I actually came out as gay initially, that led to this. I ended up getting kicked out of my house for various reasons, and I had to move in with my partner, with the person who I was dating at the time, who's not currently my husband, and all that kind of stuff. But like as I was sort of exploring my identity, I realized that this sort of identifying as male actually didn't really make any sense either to me. So currently, I identify as genderqueer, non-conforming. Okay. Yes. And how old were you when you when you came out? I was that was I was a junior in college. Okay. So a little bit of yeah, it took a, it took a long time for me to be in a position where I could uh, even remotely begin to explore that because before that I was like super like burying us all like super deep within my psyche. So like I, I was a very angry person. Yeah, and in, 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 in some ways it was like a previous life, right? Yeah, right. you you kind of had to internalize that. Oh god, and, yeah. and it manifested itself in frustration. Oh, it's very intense frustration and anger. Yeah. So, so you went from a frustrated kid in Buffalo to a frustrated kid, no upstate. Yeah, like not far from Buffalo. It's like in the same relative area. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and then I was in high school. It was okay. I was, um, freshman year, I lost like 100 pounds. I was super overweight, and then I lost a bunch of weight because I did wrestling and I did track. And I lost a bunch of weight that way, which was cool. It upgraded. I, I got a lot of social currency as a result of that because kids are fucking pieces of garbage. And we're, high schools are like sociopaths, straight yeah. up. So, kids in general. Kids in general are just sociopaths. <laughs> So I gained a lot of social currency that way, but I was still like the kid who sat alone at the lunch table, like reading. Like that was my jam. That's how I got down. Interesting. So you never really had a, a set of group of friends around like you. Like I had friends that I would hang out with in school. Yeah. But like not really people I would hang out with a ton outside of school. It's just I was the same way, dude. 
Yeah. In high school, I, I never really, I mean, I had pockets of friends. Yeah, yeah. But I never really settled down with, like, like, like I feel like every year was a, was a different person to hang out with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. To, to this day, you, you don't hang out with Envy from high school? No. I actually reconnected with, uh, Someone who I was in the high school orchestra with, she was a bass player. She was a year older than me. Um, we actually just reconnected like a couple months ago, actually. Her name is Ellen. And she just got married and she has a kid and she's like settled down. I forget. She, she's in upstate. No, she moved. She moved somewhere. I don't know where she is right now. Well, yeah, we were just talking about stuff, and she was like, yeah, I see you kept doing the bass playing. I was like, yeah. Were you, were you bass playing in high school? Yeah, I was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start there then. How'd you get into the bass? Uh, was that the first instrument you picked up? That's the first and only instrument I've ever played. Or, like, studied, really. I, like, there was, like, when I was in school, all right, so I guess it started, I was in third grade. My school in Buffalo, public school, very fortunately had a music program and my parents were like all right little bastard better pick an instrument so i was like oh i was a big kid and i had a weight problem so i picked the big instrument <laughs> what was the logic behind that that was the logic that was the logic i was large, I'm a big the kid therefore I, I should get a, a big uh instrument. A big because because yeah. you wouldn't want to get a flute right you just look ridiculous i actually there was I, my mom played a penny whistle around the house and there was like a I don't know, like a couple weeks where I did play, I tried to play flute, like when I was in sixth grade, I hated it. I hated it so much. I'd never practiced. I practiced even less than I practiced upright bass, which is to say I practiced like negatively. Like mm-hmm. if I could like, I don't even know what I could have done. Like I just never did ever. I practiced upright like maybe like a half hour, like every like month. And I was like, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. This is fine. Like I had no idea about anything. Like I had decent instincts but in terms of like the physicality and the technique of it like uh i was take like i didn't really take lessons i didn't really know how to read music i didn't know a lot of that stuff for a really long time actually just because i was taking lessons with like the high school like the school conductor or whatever and almost none of them were bass players they just were they happened to play the bass because it was a stringed instrument but they were not a bassist such an underrated uh, instrument yeah and musicians yeah, like like the the bass is like the almost it's like the driving force of a song in a lot of ways. It can be, although for me, I'm becoming less interested of being in that sort of secondary role and more about being in that sort of main hmm. melodic role or in a significant melodic role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you think of uh, crossing over to jazz? Uh, I did for a little while, and I know, like, I was taking lessons when I was in undergrad. But it's just something that I'm not particularly invested in right now. You, you just got to find the right uh, musician inspiration that, 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 that hits you. Well, yeah, for, for, for me, it's, it's Edgar Meyer without a doubt, but yeah. he's not really a jazzer. He plays, he's the guy who invented the style that I play in. Oh. Yeah, and he's, you know, he's based out of Nashville these days. He's like, how old is he? He's like almost sixty, I want to say. Did you get into the of that Mingus stuff? Uh, Mingus, a little bit, yeah. I, but I'm not, I'm not an exceptionally knowledgeable person about jazz. Mm. I'm much more knowledgeable. Like I went to school for classical. Ah. Uh, so I'm much more knowledgeable in that regard. And then, but at the end of the day, it sort of became more and more about finding a means, sort of, to express it in a more personal kind of way. Because for me, 
I found in, in an orchestral setting in particular, there's a lot more, there's a lot more constraining you because, you know, that's, that's part of the thing about, you know, once you're in a group or an organization of a certain size, you usually cost of being in that group and being able to participate effectively is the loss of individuality. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. So right. there were things I was interested in pursuing and mostly about pushing my instrument forward doing new things, playing it, but just because it's such an underdeveloped instrument in a lot of ways, and there's only a handful of people, there's more people these days, but at the time there was so few, like, so few people doing new and interesting things that I felt more compelled to think of it in that kind of regard, so I needed to sort of push back against the whole orchestral and classical only kind of mindset and do other kinds of stuff, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You definitely stand out. Because you, you get you, you get the big instrument. Because usually when people think of a bass player, mm. they think of the you know the the, the, the upright. Yeah. Uh, I the mean electric. Uh, the electric bass. Uh-huh. Uh But you don't see too many people rocking out with with what you got. Uh-huh. And the thing is that you you, you do cross over many genres. Like uh, you know you, you you're behind Jake Wickman. Yeah. And then I and then you do your your the, the stuff you played for your your competition. Yeah. And then I I'm in a band called The Mountain and the Moon. Mountain in the Moon. Banjo bass duo. Right. I feel like we jumped way ahead, though. Yeah, we did. All right, so let's uh, bring it back. Let's bring it back. You're in high school. High school. You're like, I'm choosing a, a band. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be in school for, for music for this mm-hmm. orchestra Earth? class. Well, yeah, when I was in high school, yeah. High school. So, so you chose the, the upright the Yeah, that bass. was when I was in elementary school is when oh. I did that. Oh, that's even more interesting. Yeah. Now, you mentioned that your mother had an instrument. Were your parents musicians on their own? Not really. My mom, like, she could read sight music, uh, read sheet music a little bit, and played a little bit of penny whistle sometimes. And my dad, apparently, back in the day, played electric guitar, but I never heard him play. Like, not, they listen, they, you know, enjoyed music, but you know, not like most people do. I've never met someone who's like, "Oh, you're a musician? I hate music." Like, I haven't met that person. Thank God, because that sounds fucking awful. I'd probably punch him in the throat and be like, what's wrong with it's you? It's funny you say that, because if I went up with somebody and said I'm a comedian, and they go, I hate comedy, I'm like, yeah, I, 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 that's okay with me. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I think that I would be very upset, honestly. But, but, but with music, it's like, yeah, you can't really hate music. It's such a ubiquitous part of being a human being. Yeah. Like, it's everywhere. It's constantly in every part of our life, especially as... Uh, you know, media has gotten more pronounced and we're exposed to more information constantly. Music is often either part of that information or the information in and of itself. Mm. So it's definitely, it's growing in more part of our lives on a day-to-day basis. Oh, since... Constantly. Since I, I think two things added that. I think, first thing, the fact, I, th- I think the, the, the walkers are what it's called. The, uh, see, dude, we're, we're so young where you, you could put a, a tape you, it's like you could listen to music the Walkman the Walkman Walkman okay where you could listen to music well actually the car actually I said the car where you could take music mm-hmm. while you're driving while yeah. you're traveling yeah like back in the day that was such a re- revolutionary thing for music for information that not, not only do you have to be in the house to listen to music now you could be up and about mm-hmm. same thing with the Walkman mm-hmm. now with the internet we can access like so many music so much Yes. Spotify, YouTube, iTunes. There's all these resources that are. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Cause like when I would um, when I was in music history class in school, like people would 
like being able to see like one performance or like one significant performance was like a very that was a rare thing that you had to dedicate a lot of time and energy to like travel to the city and get tickets and like be in the place and like probably get a hotel or something in the city or something like that like that's like for a long time pockets of you know cities and cultures were like so uh they're like bubbles musically in that kind of way so like if you wanted to hear you know like if you were not in you know where beethoven was and you wanted to get your beethoven like you'd have to travel probably a long distance and and then it like then like that kind of performance would be like in some ways life-changing but also what are the odds that you hear it again unless you're like in the area and are a fellow musician but now it's just like yeah you can turn on turn on the radio turn on the computer just all this is out there hmm. it's crazy now going back to Beethoven, yeah, because at that time in Europe there was such an appreciation for music, mm-hmm. you know, which a lot of musicians, you know, they could live off mm-hmm. for a change. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel that now that music's accessible everywhere mm-hmm. and such so easily mm-hmm. that it has in some ways uh, lessened the value of music to people, at least the illusion that it's it's a in some ways underappreciated now in some ways just because um it's so easy to access music of all kinds of qualities good or bad and for a lot of people most people are not trained musicians and i would say even less of that have you know gone to graduate school to pursue music you know for good financial decisions or bad you know at the end of the day that's what i did and um there's such a small percentage of people and you know even people who like write music and not necessarily went to school for but like are good songwriters are composers are collaborators like they can appreciate what's really going on but to the to lay people with the general ear like they you could no like people can't tell the difference between like something that's sophisticated and is like well made and something that like is just sort of cranked out according to a formula like you can to an extent yeah but it's that kind of like nuance and detail uh, comes with being a musician. So I would say in some ways it has, by making things more accessible, it has in some ways reduced the quality of them to the average listener. But is, is that really a bad thing? It's not necessarily Be- a bad thing. Because you kind of want the layman to like your work, Absolutely, you? absolutely. And that's something that I think about a lot in my own writing and when I, in the things that I work with is accessibility I think is very important because I think the height of sophistication in music is the combination of something that's well crafted and polished and well written and something that's easily listenable to yeah and that's the height to me that's the height of sophistication in music and so I think that's very important and I just think it's it's uh, it's just in some ways it's more difficult to really you have to you have to really advocate for yourself in a way that you might not have had to a while ago like I wasn't alive during you know 50 years ago whatever so I have no context but like there's so much going on and there's so many people you have to really do a lot to set yourself apart oh the competition in terms of competition healthy competition in in terms of getting gigs in terms of (laughs) getting people to listen to your stuff yeah you have to find ways to really set yourself apart which is you know a big something that the mountain and the moon actually has a huge edge in because 
to my mind, there's only one other banjo and bass duo that ever really was a thing, and it was uh, Edgar Meyer and Bela Fleck. Mm-hmm. And they only they only toured as like a duo, like briefly, and they often do like uh, stuff as a trio with other various guest artists. Now, is that more of a bluegrassy, bluegrassy folk, classical crossover uh, kind of thing? Uh, and who's your partner in that one? That's a uh, Casey James Holmberg. And you guys met back in uh, grad school. Yeah, when I was in graduate school down in Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah, I was um I was starting to throw off the manacles of the orchestral lifestyle, and I was starting to go into other different music stuff. And I joined the bluegrass band, and I was starting to explore. Like I had this piece by Edgar that I was working on at the time a lot, and it's a concert duo for violin and double bass it's the first movement it's the only movement that he's made publicly available but that's fine i'm not mad about that um (laughs) your face is different i don't know you can't this is a podcast you can't see my face (laughs) Uh, (laughs) oh how long has been working together now uh we've been working together for let's see we started jamming second year of graduate school and then we started like writing a little bit together and we played a little bit on my master's recital. It went okay. Like, it was good for, like, a first start. And then we worked from a distance for a while, and then we recorded our EP last January. So about a year and a half now we've been working together. Were you uh, familiar with Bluegrass prior? I had listened to it a good amount, and I had listened to a lot of the people doing contemporary Bluegrass and folk, like... Edgar Meyer, Chris Thiele, uh, Michael Daves, Rachel uh, Bayman, Bayman. Mm-hmm. like that that kind of stuff and that sound and style like I was familiar with, but like I hadn't really played a ton just because I wasn't doing classical music and typical bass parts in a bluegrass band are uh, not the most interesting. Mm-hmm. And you know I also was not in an environment where I could really, you know, I didn't have a group that I could go work with because I was in fucking Western New York, and then I was in school, and then then it was better when I was in grad school. It was actually opportunity. How was that transition for for you from upstate New York to uh, to LA? Um, that must have been it was liberating. Dull. It was it was liberating in some ways. Driving was infinitely worse, um, just because traffic is a nightmare. Um, but I. Uh, the skies of western New York are very gray for almost all of the year like people know Buffalo for the snow and like it can get really bad but mostly it's just this everything is just gray and gloomy and dreary like almost all of the year so like it came out here there's sun like I immediately felt a noticeable improvement in like my own mood and disposition seasonal affective disorder is no joke so it took with some sun with some sun huh yeah it really made a big difference like I have a friend who was a roommate until recently went up to Sacramento and he suffers it from it really really bad like like it was great for here like for winter yeah winter here was like two months or whatever uh-huh. and he like completely like turned off like he would just not talk to people just like be doing his own things like super low energy the minute it brightens up outside he's like super on top of his shit just handling all sorts of work and it's like and it's like super like you know his uh energy levels go up significantly and he's like he's from buffalo too so it's just like it's a real thing seasonal affective disorder is no joke but in la you also got to deal with the high content of pollution as well yes you do um i didn't spend all of my year in los angeles i would often spend weekends or 
uh, you know, winter break and summer break up in Fresno, which is where my husband was at the time finishing his uh, medical residency. How'd you guys meet? You and him? We met playing Magic the Gathering through a mutual friend. Magic the Gathering. It's a card game. Is that like uh, is that like Dungeons and Dragons? It's in the same camp of nerdiness, of general nerdiness. Yes. Uh huh. But it's uh, he he, he pulled he just pulled that that the right cards. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my god. No, we like we met, we met we went to a tournament in uh, Pennsylvania together, and then we started talking. You guys competed? Yeah, hell yeah. Oh my god. Like before, yeah. I was trying to um do music seriously. Like I was making quite a few runs at doing the pro scene in Magic. I was really busting my ass to do that for a while, and then I decided, like, then I was in school and it was, like, not happening, but I was getting pretty close, which is cool, um, but, um, yeah, we went to a tournament together, I was, like, a weird, awkward piece of garbage because I hadn't come out yet, and it was, like, super uncomfortable, and, like, he was someone who was very just, like, comfortable with his identity because he had, like, any sense of self-confidence, so, like... Uh, we talked a little bit, and then there was another mutual friend had a party, and we talked a little bit, and then we sort of, we, we, I went over to his house, and we hung out, and then it just sort of st- turned into, it, we started dating, and then I got kicked out, so I moved in with him, so that greatly now, accelerated our relationship, and now we're it, married. Was it repressive because your family came from a religious household, or was it, did they just, they didn't, did not approve of such I don't know, lifestyles, whatever. Um, my father is very religious, but he's also, like, religious in, like, a kind of convenient, whatever, whenever it's convenient, he sort of picks being right. religious. My mom is just a crazy person, so, um... <clears throat> Were they Catholics? No, my dad, I don't know what, my dad, I don't know what the hell denomination, he's probably, he's just, he has his own beliefs, because, you know, he can't trust mainstream... Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Well, that kind of situation. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, he has his own private. He's had his own private meditations mm-hmm. and stuff. And he's like, he's a strange guy. He like a couple years ago, he was like a diehard Marxist. Now he's like a diehard capitalist. Wow. Yeah, big swing. Sounds like he's trying to figure stuff out himself. Yeah, he's got to figure out his life. You know, he's getting, yeah. he's up there in age though, so I don't know. It might be too late for him. Are you guys in better terms now? No. No. <laughs> no. So, sorry to hear that, but it's fine. There are worse things. There are worse things I could be going through. That's fine. How about your siblings? You have an older brother? Older brother, younger sister. Sister. You're in the middle child. I am the blessed middle child who gets the best treatment. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. That's I'm not the true middle child. Yeah, the middle child sucks. <laughs> Fuck being the middle child. This shit is terrible. But you keep in touch with your siblings? A little bit. Yeah. We're all They're all relatively reserved and focused on their own stuff. My brother's getting married at some point. I was supposed to be his best person at some indefinite point. I don't know when that marriage is actually happening or... Is he with somebody? Yeah. yeah, yeah. They've been dating for quite a while. Um, well, they I seem really happy together. Are, are they into music themselves? My brother, like, was in, like, a ska band and, like, a punk band when he was in, like, school. Like... Interesting. Yeah, and... What kind of sounds were you listening to when you were, when you were younger, dude? Like, did that... Like, ska from your like, brother? my parents really liked Rush and, like, Peter Rush. Gabriel and, like... <laughs> Like that kind of stuff. You said it all, Peter Gabriel listeners. I have, I have a you better know, picture of your, yeah, fa- of your yeah, family. Yeah, Peter now. Gabriel. Yeah, big fans. Uh, my brother liked metal and 
ska. Like, remember when Corn was a big deal? Yeah, like was he a, was. He was part of that. I wasn't, but he was like a big part of that. You went. He saw some shows with them. I was like in middle school when they came out. Yeah, I was. Yeah, oh, my parents were very like, can't no, don't listen to that. I was the Corn. Like, yeah, Corn is too too violent, too messed up. Okay. Yeah, that's what I say. Okay. <laughs> Whatever, it's my parents also didn't want me to have a Walkman because they thought it would make me uh, antisocial if I was just on my headphones listening. So I actually didn't really listen to a ton of music growing up. Interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was I more happened to listen in passing to stuff. And it was, like, the reason I'm a musician is that I was just more, like, since I was little, I've been more compelled to, like, be really, really really good at something that's like what i've always wanted and like there's been i've flirted with you know martial arts for a while i was really big into bruce lee like when i was like 12 i was reading the tao of jeet kune do and trying to study that um it was magic the gathering for a while it was street fighter and competitive fighting games for a while it seems whenever you get involved in something you really engage yeah and you really get into it i'm not the kind of person like my husband has is the opposite like he's yeah. He's someone I would consider a polymath. He's just someone who's just, like, good at kind of everything. Yeah, yeah. And is, like, has a very wide array of skills. I am not, like, I like to grind down to the finest details and, like, this sort of really esoteric garbage that no one but me and, like, three other people care about. Like, that kind of stuff. That's a great work ethic to have. Yeah, I guess. Where do you think that came from? I have no idea, (laughs) honestly. (laughs) Uh, I just always... Like, well, in terms of, like, my personality, I'm, like, an introvert that learned how to, like, talk to people. You're, you're a loud introvert. I'm, I guess, in some ways. So, I am very, like, a lot of time it's very internal for me, like, what's going on. And a lot of that, like, practicing and playing music allows me to really concentrate on that inner world in an almost meditative kind of way. Okay. Which is something that I think has been helpful to me, especially as I've sort of pushed away from the rigor of the orchestral world. At least that's how I perceive it. I just, every time I say the orchestral world, like there's definitely like this is my personal experience, and there are those who find playing in that ensemble and environment very liberating. It's just not me. It's not for me. Well, orchestral, I feel like it's it's its own world. It's its own world. I've talked to with its own politics. Yep. And like I. I how far can you really go in an orchestral uh, uh, way? You can make a really solid living as an orchestral musician. Right, but don't you think you'll be playing the same songs? You play a lot of the same rep. And, you know, there are people writing new Every year, the Nutcracker, right? Potentially. Every year, that, Probably, that, that actually. same... There's, there's certain... Uh, Ode to Joy kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, Beethoven 9 is, like, so hard that it's fine <laughs> that you can play that anyway. Um, but... It's just like for me. Uh, I just got a memory. So interrupt. Remember that band that came out? These four chicks, Bond. No. Remember Bond? They're like electric orchestra. They with no. the pop with the pop thing. That uh, sounds no. <laughs> like something I maybe would have enjoyed listening to. I'm gonna pull some up after this interview. All right, all right because because my sister was into a bit into that. Okay. Into the my, and there's there's some musicians that are doing similar kind of stuff. There's Lindsey Sterling, who's the most famous of those people doing like electric stuff although I believe the before her there was Vanessa May I want to say her name was and she was doing a lot of stuff I don't know what she's doing now but she was really good she was actually the precursor to Lindsay in a lot of ways and then there was Lindsay there's two cellos I don't know if you've heard them they have oh, this the recent of, ones they have like ACDC cover they do, they do Thunderstruck they do yeah. um, 
Smooth Criminal, and they write they write their own stuff too, and it's really good. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, there are people sort of doing that like in between pop and classical kind of thing, which is a, is a related but different kind of pursuit. But I think it's equally valuable, and I'm actually really interested in it. It's just you know not currently what I'm exploring. No. Yeah. So you're from orchestral to bluegrass. In that more bluegrass kind of way. Because for me, the reason that I decided to take bass more seriously is like, there was a guy, like, I hadn't taken lessons before. You know, I wasn't really taking lessons. I was taking lessons with the school conductor. They weren't bass players. There was a guy who moved to town who was a bass player, who was a graduate from Cincinnati Conservatory. And I started taking lessons with him. And it was great, and I was really liking it. And then I started learning how to actually play the bass and learn what the fuck I was it doing. It took you into grad school? It took No, this is high school. This oh, high school. A, <laughs> I would say I'm actually learning. I'm constantly actually learning how to play the bass. Like, I listen to stuff like I played a week ago. I'm like, I'm so bad. I'm literally the worst. Um, but that's my own weirdness. No, but, I feel the same way. Yeah. When, I, when I hear recordings of my guitar playing... I'm just like, why did people let me play an instrument? I'm, I'm like, what did they even let me sing? For crying yeah, out loud. exactly. I don't know. It's weird. But, um, yeah, so I started studying with him, and then he told me to listen to Edgar Meyer, hmm. who is, to me, the pinnacle of upright bass playing in every possible way. Like, he's, he's the high point. And I listened to him, and I was like, okay, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And then it's been sort of an exploration of that for a long time. Have you have you have any have you tried to contact Edgar Meyer? Uh, no. But the, the um, we're starting to run in the same kinds of circles. Like there's um, festivals that I'm going to. That um, there's you know it's a relatively small community. Like the bluegrass and folk community is relatively small. So I've met two of his uh protégés from the Curtis Institute of Music and we've talked a little bit and talked bass just very briefly hmm. and it was cool um, we seem to get along you know I haven't, I'm gonna spend more time with both of them this summer because they're both teaching at two of the festivals that I'm going to which will be really cool hopefully I'll get I'm sure I'll have a lot to learn from them are you prepared when you do meet them oh yeah I'm, I'm super I'm very confident in my abilities what's your first question to him to well to Edgar himself I have I don't know what I would do I might just freak the fuck out and pass out but uh, if I were to <laughs> meet I would absolutely fangirl out just pass out just frothing at the mouth just super he'd be like security security probably like that one time where that in and out where I geeked, where I, I fangirled over a blues player that, that walked off in and out you was I there for that yeah you Jake oh yeah Oh yeah, you were freaking out over someone. I was like, "Who the fuck are you talking?" About? I'm like running across the parking lot trying to. That's what happened. Oh yeah, <laughs> that shit was weird. That was embarrassing. That's fine. <laughs> Everyone, it's fine. I'm glad that that person was of import and significance to you. That's yeah. cool to me. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna wait another year before I invite him on the podcast. That seems right. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. We'll see. Maybe you might have to wait a year after this after talking about it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good, man. It's awesome. It's, it seems like you're 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 getting to the uh, different circles. Yeah, I'm get, starting get to music out there. Yeah. Now, what brought you up here to uh, Sunny Bay Area? Sunny Bay Area. Well, my husband. Well, Fresno doesn't really have a scene for this. For the music I was doing, they're more blues and more blues oriented in general, honestly. So there was there was like I was starting to find stuff to do, and I was doing some of my own writing, and there were people I was enjoying like jamming with, but. There's nothing, like, of significance as, like, a project coming out of it. You know what I mean? So, um, 
well, that was part of it, and part of it also my husband got a job up here. Hmm. So, well, line of work. Uh, he works at Stanford. Teacher. Yep. An educator. Ah, yep, he's I an knew educator. an educator was somewhere in here. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> somewhere in there. <laughs> what does he teach? He teaches um, about LGBT health. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's like a he's a it's definitely doctor right, teacher. Definitely the right place for it. Yeah, and it's a burgeoning field, so they need people who are sort of at the front edge of it, and they need people who are young and passionate about it. And he is all of those things. So here we are. Was that a long conversation you guys had regarding moving up here? Oh, God, no. No, it was no. like, he was like, I got a job at Stanford. I was like, pack your bags, let's get the <laughs> fuck out of here. Can't wait to leave Fresno. Hell no. Like, it's I a, have good friends that I do miss. It's a weird town, Fresno. Yeah. It's, yeah, it is. It's it, a weird town. Fresno and Modesto, every time I stop I've by. I've Modesto. Uh, I'm like, something, like, it's all calm and quiet, but there's something underneath here. Absolutely. I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, it's mostly it's probably just racism honestly <laughs> it's probably I don't know the, the areas in Fresno are very disparate there's like old white money and then there's like everyone else and it's like hmm yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I can do this basic math <laughs> uh, but I heard they have a lot of tacos in Fresno they have some really they actually have my favorite taco chain in Fresno it's called Robertito's yeah so good oh my god it's like well, it's because it's like you know we go to like I've never been to Del Taco or any of that place. Oh please don't. Yeah no it's terrible. It's like Taco Bell quality. I've been to Taco Pretty Bell. Yeah. It's like it's all garbage. Yeah yeah. Robertitos is like actual Mexican food that's just in a fast food stand. Oh interesting. They have a couple. They have Arsenios I think is the other one. I never I, I went there once. I really liked Robertitos though. That place was the fucking bomb. Well that's what people tell me is like Fresno is a go to place for tacos. It has really good I tacos. I mean, LA Barria has its good amount. They have some good tacos too. But they too. say that the at least nationwide mm-hmm. there's there's like a huge movement regarding Fresno as like a taco mecca almost. There's probably a lot of places that I didn't go that I should have appreciated. There were like I remember as I was leaving, people were telling me about these places. I was like, fuck, I don't have time. But um yeah, there was a, there was a place called the Pescador, and they specialized in uh, seafood tacos and fish tacos. I don't know if you like fish tacos. I think they're delicious. I love them. Yeah, really good place. Look at me, dude. Does it look like I discriminate when it comes to food? That's, I guess, fair. I don't I'm, know. I'm like as large as your base, all right? Maybe. 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 Um, you're just being nice. <laughs> now, now you're here in the Bay Area. You, you move yeah. in because your, your husband got a job yes. at Stanford. Yes. How, how, how was that first initial steps when you're integrating with the music scene here? Oh, uh, it was weird. <laughs> I'm not going to lie because I hadn't really grinded an open mic scene before because I was like, I don't know where to start. Like, I have a project going on, but I want to do some stuff over here. I want to see what's out there, meet some people, say hi, all that kind of stuff. So I'll... I was just, like, looking up open mics and various avenues to, like, perform and, like, talk to other musicians and hang out, so I just started... The first one I went to was the one at Red Rock. It was the first open mic I went to because it was on a, it was on a Monday, and I think we... I looked it up, and it was the closest one, and the first week I went, I got there too late, I think. Yeah, I got, the, I got there too late. I don't remember. I feel like I went twice, and I got to perform the second time, but that was the time Jake also saw also saw me because then he made sure because I got on the wait list the second time too because I'm a fucking idiot and uh I get waitlisted all the time there no but like the, but I got there I was on the wait list the first time and I didn't get to perform and like they have the policy to make sure you can't perform yeah yeah and I fucked it up anyway so I was on the wait list again so uh he made he made sure to give me like I got to play a five minute set and I got a, a song I'm going 
probably am going to play is the song I played that first time. Uh-huh. And people were like, oh my god, what? And it was cool. It was a lot of fun. Like, I started talking to people, started talking to Jake and, you know, Alex Stanley. It's a great Israel, supportive crowd there, man. Yeah. And I was grinding the scene for a while. Like, I was going to Frascati and Red Rock, like, every week. Maybe, probably doing the Thursday one, depending. Like, I've been up to the city doing the Casey Turner open mic a couple times, the Hotel Utah open mic. Hmm. Cool stuff. Um, I really enjoyed it, but um, now, like, that led to actual things happening. So now it's. That's what you were looking for, pretty much. Yeah. So, like, now I have less time for the open mics, but I have, like, I'm actually, like, working more and, like, playing gigs more, which is what I wanted. So you're more of a. You're definitely more project oriented. Well, yeah. I'm trying to do this for my living, ideally. Right. Yeah. Music's all funny games, but let's start actually producing shit to put out there. Playing shows, producing things. Because, yeah, I'm not, like, I'm very for treating things with a levity and a playfulness, even if you're pursuing it seriously, but I also am not going to just dick around and half-ass it if I'm doing it. Like, I'm not that kind of person. I have to remind myself, though. Sometimes I get too much into it. Yeah. With comedy or film, uh, I have to remind myself, like, dude, like, do it because you enjoy it. Yeah. No, it, it, I'm, I'm very, I try to be mindful of that. Yeah. And try to really just have fun with it and not just stress out and lose my mind and freak out like a crazy person. Because in my you know, in my experience that isn't really productive. So mm. it's not gonna actually help the situation. So you know, even though it's more of an emotional burden to not freak the fuck out, it is more productive and better for the people that you're working with. So that's something I always try to keep in mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even though there's times where like stuff happens like Jake and I with the Jake Wickman band, we went on tour down in Arizona and we played at the Tucson Festival of Books, and that was a clusterfuck. Holy shit! Why? What happened? Like none of the volunteers knew where anything was happening, so like we didn't know where we were performing. We didn't know what stage. We didn't like we kind of we knew what time, but like things were running late, and it was just like it was a night. It was a pain in the ass to like get parking, get to where we needed to be because for some reason. Um, if you're carrying an upright bass, people just choose to run into you anyway, even though you're like, please excuse me. Like, they just don't see you, even though you have, like, twice the size of a person, if not more. Right. And they're just like, like, I cannot tell you, when I was taking the shuttle from my campus, uh, from my campus housing to the music building, how many people would just, like, look down and try to squeeze by my fucking bass? I'd be like, okay, let me go forward so you can get by... But if you run into my bridge one more time, I will kill you. I will kill you. I will put your head under the wheel of the bus, and I will hit the gas. Right, Because right. you should not be allowed to live. It's just like, I no. People, are, they have, like, brain damage for some reason. I don't know what happens. It's like, there's, like, a gas leak that happens. Like, <laughs> <laughs> don't touch my bridge for crying out loud. Stop it! <laughs> Jesus! Now, usually for musicians, I get into, like, you know, the first instrument, what they're using now, mm-hmm. like the evolution of their instruments. But I just started with this. But yeah. you, you started, and you still have this one instrument. This is the same bass that I started studying on. What what, what brand or what line of a, a, a bass is it? It's an unknown maker. It's a German bass, about 100 years old. 100 years old? About 100 years old. Wow. So oh. what's, what's the story behind this bass? Like, um... Well, I was starting to pursue music seriously. Initially, I was actually an English and music major when I was in school, and then I just dropped the English shit because I was enjoying it. I took some classes on Shakespeare and stuff. It was cool. And then we took a class on, like, Walt Whitman, and I was like, Walt Whitman's a piece of shit. I don't want to read this anymore. 
So <laughs> that's what that's, that's where that you drew was, the line. That was part. That was definitely part. And then I was starting to dedicate more time to like being a musician. So I was just like, I don't have time to be doing this shit. I don't want to think about this fucking pretentious bag of fucking garbage. I hate Walt Whitman. I hate Walt Whitman. So I can't much. blame you, dude. <laughs> He's fucking terrible. He's abysmal writer in my opinion but you know there are people who would very heartily disagree and that's fine they're allowed to be wrong um so my parents helped me sort of shop for a base and we had shopped around the area like we went to like a couple of local shops that had instruments and then sort of like randomly we went to a violin shop out in like a little a little outside of buffalo like 30 minutes and um that person there had had a couple upright basses and I started playing them and then I started playing this one and I wouldn't stop playing this one and then I was like okay I guess we're taking this one it was also the cheapest one which was cool hmm. and how, how much does a bass go by these days uh like a really like uh Drew you know Drew Story yes yeah he recently got one just like a pretty low end like bait like just low quality kind of bass it was like $800 okay wow like okay a, big money we're talking about yeah I love a really a, an, an okay bass is like anywhere from five thousand to ten thousand. With like a really nice bass can be like anywhere from like thirty thousand to a hundred thousand. Like really, like a real like I've I've played a couple like really really nice basses and it's just like holy shit. And you can feel the difference, right? In some ways, there some are some are more expensive because of the maker or whatever. Oh, it's on the name. Yeah, part of it's the name. Part of it's the name on the brand. Is it's like design designer. But also, you know, they tend to have, they have stronger features, you know what I mean? But for me, the most defining characteristic of this instrument is that it is really easy to play. Hmm. And it lets me, because it's it's not super small, like I've seen smaller basses, but it's on the smaller side. And it allows me to do things in terms of left-handed positioning that would be much more difficult on a larger instrument. But hmm. also I've been playing it a lot longer, so I'm, I'm really familiar with it so it's it's I, i'm sure if i played another instrument for that long it would be fine but do, do you know what kind of wood it's made out of nope no. nope so it's I feel like it's maple back but i don't really know i don't know i, f I forget all that stuff honestly like I've, I've been told a couple times but various luthiers and i just forget like instantly it's just a German base. It's a it's 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 a German base, and in a lot of ways, it's an extent it's an extension of myself and my own music per, musical personality and my own personality. And like, I have a very strong emotional attachment to my base. But in terms of like, it's not really about um, the name or the maker or the wood or anything like that. I don't care about any of those things. Like it's the I'm, memories you had with it, it. The memories and the time spent really refining something and really working on that because like I, I've met bass players and various musicians who are very like tech oriented they want like the fanciest new strings or like bow hair or wood and like all this kind of stuff and like they think that'll solve their problems and they're playing that'll really give them that extra little bit to make them better I'm just like no just play better yeah, yeah it's not the instruments to play it just be a better musician and it'll sound better and I'm I'm very of that mindset and grinding out those kinds of things so i don't really care about any of that now it is a hundred dollar base i mean a hundred year old base hundred year old Sorry. base yes uh how's the maintenance on those things um not 
crazy. It just sort of depends what you're doing. Like, I'm also, I tend not to be super high maintenance. Like, I, I try to wipe the base down after I'm done playing so that, like, rosin doesn't cake up because that was something I had a problem with for a while. And then I had to get it taken in to get, like, professionally, like, cleaned because it was caked up all up on there. Um, you're supposed to get new strings, like, every year. I haven't gotten a string change in, like, three years. You're supposed to get, like, a new... Uh, that's pretty much me with the guitar. Yeah. I haven't changed the strings forever. Yeah. You're supposed to get, like, a new yeah. bo re hair every every couple months or so. I haven't gotten my bow re hair in, like, at least a year. But what's nice is you're not around other bass players. Because for me, like, other musicians, like, Israel's always telling me, you got to get new strings. You got to get new strings. I was like, I know... I just don't have the time. I don't... Who has the time for that? It's true. When I really do, you know? Yeah, you really... Yeah. So you don't, you don't have bass players, you no, know? No, but, like, like, I I like how my bass sounds, and for the style that I'm playing in, I think, honestly, the strings breaking in and, like, being as old as they are, I like it. I like it more. I like the fact that I haven't really gotten a rear hair in a while, because, like, I'm really learning a lot yeah. about... How like a bow? I feel like I'm learning like all sorts of like really small things about how bows work and all that kind of stuff. Do they use spending that kind of time? Do horse hair. Yes. Horse hair. Yes. Okay, so it's the same like the violin almost. Yep, same kind of hair. Same kind of hair. Yeah, as far as I know, it's probably slightly different for bass, but it's all it's horse hair. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't like. I don't know. I feel like there are probably other bass players that would probably have other strong opinions, but you know, I'm not. Do you, do I don't. Have, I don't play like a lot of other bass players. I don't uh, do a lot of the same kinds of things. I think about the instrument in a very different way. Do, have you had bass players criticize you? Absolutely. I guess you don't take it too kindly. No, it's like there. There are people that like I've talked to and just gotten general advice from and gotten ideas because there's like there's general musical concepts that are pretty universal to whatever instrument you're playing. Right. And there's definitely things that I don't think about because I don't think of myself as like part of a rhythm section in the same kind of way. So there are there are like details in that regard that I do need to work on and I would like to learn more about. And that's how I talk to bass players. But some people, like, especially, like, if you're at a bluegrass jam or some shit, like, people get all bent out of shape the minute you pick up a bow and take a break on a fiddle tune. You take a, you take a solo on a fiddle tune and you play the melody, people lose their goddamn minds. It's just like, Jesus fucking Christ. What's your problem? Yeah, no, people get all fucked up about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it's, uh, no, people, yeah. Some people are really cool and some people don't mind, but some people are, like, the bass is supposed to play the bass notes. That's why you're a bass. It's like, oh my god, go back to fucking eating paint chips. <laughs> Get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> yeah, there are people that definitely. Well, that's that's the diff in any genre dealing with traditionalists. Yeah, it's hard. It's real hard. Actually, it's uh, funny. The Bluegrass Association up here, um, the California Bluegrass Association, they recently um, submitted a float to Cal uh, blue, uh, to Pride, uh, San Francisco I heard, Pride. I heard about this did scandal. You, did you hear about this? Yeah. Did I tell you about this? I think No, I, I heard I, I read it on an article. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They were like, and people were like, oh, we don't want to get political. Like, the bluegrass was like, oh, we don't want to get political. We're just trying to play bluegrass. And it's just like, first of all, I don't know if people having rights is like a political kind of thing. First of all, and second of all, like, if that's what you're getting bent out of shape about, like, I think you need to update your worldview. Hmm. So, uh, so they ended up losing about seven members from the California Bluegrass Association, and they gained a hundred more. So I think those seven history people, is on their side. Yeah, those seven people can be uh, as bent out of shape and 
hardcore traditionalists as they would like to be because there's another generation that is more than willing to play Salt Creek and all the fiddle tunes and all the, sing all the bluegrass standards yeah. without being fucking assholes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but musically, though, more musically, though, traditionalists, because like, in blues, I get nervous around other blues players, especially traditional blues players. Because mm-hmm. me, I'm not that good at it, but that's, what I, that's the genre I love to get into. Okay. Like, full time if I can. Yeah, blues is fun to and, play. And, and the thing is, is like, you know, some people, you know, get, get, get a little antsy about, you know, certain, certain scales and certain stuff. It's like, can I just play what I want to play? It, as long as you're learning from it, yeah. Right. That's the most important thing, in my opinion, because, like, if you do something that makes sense to you and your understanding of the instrument and, like, you listen back to it and you, like, if you can listen back to something and just be like, that was what I wanted to do, like, perfectly, like, that almost never happens. There's always some stuff I want to work on. But um, if you listen back to it and be like, okay, that's pretty much what I wanted to do, then, like, that's the most important thing to me, at the very least. So it's like, it's less about the scales. It's more about, well, it, it's it's more just about understanding how the music works on an intuitive or an intellectual level, understanding what you're trying to do and what your voice is within that and trying to just be as genuine to that as possible is much more important to me. Right, right. I agree completely. Yeah. Man. All right. Uh, pretty much you've, it seems like you're, you're, you hop onto different uh, genres, you know, like we, yeah. we mentioned. Mm-hmm. So what's the next step for you, do you think? Um, currently there are plans for the Jake Wickman band to record an album. I think it's going to be probably towards the end of this year, based on how things are shaping up, which would be cool. Um, I know the mountain and the moon, we are planning to record an album, our first full length, um, after the summer. We're planning. We're, we've been sketching out tunes and writing stuff, and we're going to try to release our full, first full length, you know, after we've been refined and polished by going to Rocky Grass and Shasta String Summit and sort of fleshing those ideas out more with people who are more well-versed in the style, and we're going to try to release that album. I think it's going to be really good. I'm actually really excited about that. Um, there's another project that I'm part of, which is related to the Mountain and the Moon, called the uh, Echo Mountain Boys currently because it's it's Casey the banjo player and a friend of ours who's a guitarist and they're both down in uh Altadena by right by Echo Mountain in like Cal- in Los Angeles area and they're doing a duo thing and we're still going to record as a trio and then you know we're probably going to rename the band at that point but um that's going to be really cool because playing a more traditional kind of bluegrass band as opposed to like the art music that is what the mountain and the moon kind of does more which is what we're realizing is that we're definitely not we're not going to play bars is what i'm trying to say because we mm-hmm. tried that it's not a good fit it's not appropriate for us it's not appropriate it's not as it's not going to be as good as it could be if you're just playing normal bluegrass or at least variations of more traditional bluegrass sound for people and those kinds of things um there's that going on um I'm writing a concerto right now for bass and, I guess, bass and piano, although depending on how it goes, I might have to orchestrate it for an orchestra, which would be cool. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm mostly just trying to keep doing, not necessarily keep doing what I'm doing, but continue to explore the area that I'm currently in, because I'm pretty, pretty happy here right now, and that, in terms of just, like, the general area there's a lot I have to work on still but 
I'm not super motivated to like I'm not I'm not ready to like go or like just jump jump over to jazz. You know what I mean? Right. I'm right. not in a place where it's not Which, to, a genuine interest. This place for me. is a good place for jazz. There's a growing. It jazz seems scene. like a cafe stretch. I hear is a pretty popular stretch, spot. Boutique, uh, quite a other few places, and you got the jazz fest coming. Yeah, I'm just not super interested. You don't look excited. I'm not because <laughs> I'm not excited because it's a normal thing for bass players to do. Right. There's already people who are much better at that that will help more in those kinds of situations. I feel like I would be of greater service to the instrument and to the music community as a whole exploring other areas currently. Mm. I think that would be more beneficial. Um, then why go to jazz? Why talk that you'll be going to jazz soon or something like that? Like, not not at, at some point, I feel like it's an important part of the vernacular of the instrument to learn. Okay. I think it would be beneficial for me as a musician to learn about the style and the kind of improvisation and the sort of different kind of chordal and harmonic structures that you get in that environment. I think it would I would learn a lot from this situation. It's just my current endeavors are just less in that direction. But it's something I think down the road I would like to pursue more. Mm. But who knows? Who knows what will happen? Maybe I just will hate it. And just never do it, or maybe I'll really like it, or maybe I'll pursue some other stuff in the, you know, in between. I, I just got a, a not too long ago I got a jazz cassette of of, a, of actually of a local bass jazz musician. Uh, it's name? a cassette player though. Yeah. He has a weird. Here, hold on. What's, what's his name? Something very. Hold on. I've been trying to keep abreast of all the bass players in my area. It's a cassette tape. Michael Fromanek. I don't know that guy. Do you, do you have a cassette? player at home? I absolutely do not have oh. a cassette player. But he does some like, you know, trippy uh, jazz, like he he does some traditional jazz stuff, but then he go, he does some like uh, experimental stuff as well. That's cool. I'm all about Electric. that. This is from 90. Holy. Yeah. Well, the, the guy's still around in San oh, Francisco. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I think someone probably mentioned, I think the guy I take my bass to up in the city, he might have mentioned this guy. Listen, the name looks familiar. Hmm. We'll, yeah. We'll pop it in soon. Yeah. But uh, but Noah, thank you for for coming on this podcast. It's yeah. been an hour already. Oh shit! Uh, yeah, flew by fast, huh? It did fly by uh, fast. We're pretty good, right? Yeah. You feel like it was a good conversation? Yeah. All right. Um, before uh, you you send us out with the song. Okay. Um, what where can people find more about you? You can find me at um, you can find me on Instagram uh, under Pinksis P Y N X I S is my Instagram tag uh, The Mountain and the Moon on Instagram uh, Facebook.com slash The Mountain and the Moon and the same kind of page Facebook.com slash The Jake Wickman Band and then also Noah Laniakea L-A-N-I-A-K-E-A Laniakea 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 well, The Mountain and the Moon dot net Jake Wickman Band doesn't have a website yet unfortunately yeah um, I'm happy that you explained that Laniakea came from the stars because mm-hmm. I thought you were Alaskan for some reason. That's fair. I figured, is he from Alaska? You got that 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 Alaska uh, Alaska tribal. Uh... You know what? I've gotten a lot. People think I'm a lot of different things. When I was in Western New York, like the area, like especially when I was in Grand Island, like that area is 
fucking pale. That area is so fucking white. So people were like kind of racist to me. Like I got racism light because people thought I was Asian, and there's like this weird racism towards Asian people in upstate New York. Oh shit. Yeah, people. I got I got called some stuff that is not would be very hurtful. It's it was hurtful, but it would be really hurtful and some serious racial slurs. Yeah, I had a moment like that in Berkeley, dude. Really? Like in Berkeley, some guy was was calling me a fucking Muslim, and I looked over. I was another Latino. It's, what? It's a Mexican yelling at another Mexican. Cause you a fucking Muslim. But he he thought I was a Muslim because of, of, of the beard. People are weird. I was like in Berkeley. Really? And for me, like it was it was hurtful in some sense. Where I was like, you know, but you know, if I was a Muslim, it would really ruin my day. Like, yeah, no, for sure. It's it's weird when you're in those kind of like situations where it's like someone assumes you're something and like doesn't apply. Like it hurts, but you're also aware like it's not authentic to you. So it's like. Not and it's like kind of good that someone didn't say that to an actual like Muslim person or right. said that to an actual Chinese person uh-huh. because that'd be so fucked up. Like that's so terrible. Yeah, yeah, it's messed up. Especially in Berkeley, I was like, what is that? What, what is the that? hell? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they had they've had various uh, they've had various situations arise lately around the campus. So there's there's a lot of feeling in the air. Yeah. All right, Noah. Send us out with the song. Alright, I mean, I gotta unpack my fucking axe. Oh shit. I didn't do this up front. What am I thinking?